welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The National Association of Realtors says home prices just went down slightly, but buying a home still remains out of reach for many Native Americans for a number of reasons. A Harvard study this year confirms previous statistics showing Native people own homes at a significantly lower rate than the rest of the population. There are tools to help Native home buyers. We'll hear about those and discuss why owning a home is good for both individual investors and communities. That's coming up right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs and others say fake health care providers have defrauded the state out of hundreds of millions of dollars. As Arizona Public Radio's Ryan Heinches reports, the schemes allegedly target Native American communities. Officials say for nearly three years, more than 100 treatment centers in the Phoenix area have fraudulently billed Arizona's Medicaid system for services they didn't deliver. The providers often lure Native Americans from reservations who are experiencing homelessness or have mental health or substance abuse problems. The would-be patients are frequently held against their will and rarely given the promised treatment. The U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI have been investigating. Antoinette Ferrari is an FBI special agent. These individuals are targeting Native Americans because there is a lower threshold in order to bill for behavioral health services. So we're just seeing a mismatch between what's actually happening and what is supposed to happen. At a press conference, Governor Hobbs called the situation a humanitarian crisis that's believed to have contributed to the epidemic of missing indigenous people. She said the providers have been cut off from receiving payments and other systemic reforms will be put in place. So far, 45 indictments have been handed down and about $75 million have been recovered. A statewide hotline has been set up to report missing people. Many victims are believed to be members of the Navajo Nation, and according to Attorney General Ethel Branch, the tribe will open a command center to assist victims and families. For National Native News, I'm Ryan Heinches in Flagstaff. After more than nine months of debate, the scope of an Alaska planning group will shrink to no longer include 3.5 million acres and an Alaska Native village within its boundaries. Riley Board with KDLL and Kenai reports. On Alaska's Kenai Peninsula, two communities on opposite sides of a major waterway have been in conflict for months over the scope of a land planning group based out of the east side community of Nikiski. The planning group was established last September following advocacy from residents who wanted a say in local planning decisions. The original boundaries encompassed Nikiski, surrounding land on the east side of Cook Inlet, and millions of acres on the west side, within them the native village of Tyonic. Representatives from Nikiski argued the two areas, though geographically separated, were one community. But Westside residents rejected the description of the West Side as part of the Nikiski community and said the decision to form a planning group was made without their consent. In December, local officials introduced an ordinance to reduce the size of the planning area's boundaries. This week, the borough's governing body, the Borough Assembly, finally voted to reduce the area to just the east side of the inlet, following several proposed amendments and a lengthy postponement. Assembly President Brent Johnson said it was important to honor the input from the West Side, 
which included dozens of letters from Tyonic residents and Peninsula Native corporations. I'm looking at the strong feelings of the folks that live on the other side of the inlet in the Tyonic area. They have very strong feelings. They don't want to have a APC that's on the east side telling people on the west side what to do. The group's new boundaries include about 300,000 acres, which still makes it the largest of its kind in the borough. For National Native News, I'm Riley Board. First Lady Jill Biden traveled to Bethel, Alaska Wednesday. She highlighted the administration's work to improve broadband in the YK Delta, which Biden says will help with health care, education and jobs. Interior Secretary Deb Holland and Congresswoman Mary Peltola joined the First Lady on the visit. This was the first ever visit by a First Lady to Bethel. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications are accepted through May 31st at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. For generations, Native communities have struggled to build robust housing markets due to the complexities of land ownership and reservations, bureaucratic red tape that accompanies the home purchase process, and a lack of banks and lending institutions willing to assume the risks associated with loans on tribal land. The good news is that today, almost 57% of Native American households own their own homes. However, that is 15% below the number for their white counterparts. Those numbers are from a new study by Harvard University's Center for Housing Studies, released in February. Native Americans face a number of hurdles when it comes to buying a home. We're going to discuss those hurdles today and hear about some tools to overcome them. We'll talk with Native lenders about the challenges of the current housing market. They'll share what types of home loans and programs are available to support Native homeowners and discuss the risks and rewards of making loans in Indian country. Call us at 1-800-996-2848. If you have questions, that's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We have four guests on the show today. Speaking with us first in Tempe, Arizona, is Dave Castillo. He's the CEO of New Mexico Native Community Capital, a community development financial institution, or CDFI for short. Dave is of Nusave descent. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Hi, thanks. Joining us from Lapway, Idaho, is Janelle Yearout. She's the executive director of another CDFI, Nimipu Community Development Fund, and a member of the Nez Perce Tribe. Janelle, welcome to NAC as well. Hi, Sean. Happy to be here. Great to have you, Janelle. Joining us from St. George, Utah, is Rudy Soto. He's the USDA Rural Development Idaho State Director. Rudy is Shoshone Bannock. Rudy, welcome to Native America Calling. Thanks for having me. And joining us from Pendleton, Oregon, is Pamela Ranslam. 
She's the Home Ownership Services Manager for the CDFI Nikawe Community Financial Services. Pamela, welcome. Thank you for joining us also. Well, thank you for inviting me, Sean. Absolutely. And Dave, let's start with you. Please give us a quick update on the current state of the native mortgage lending business. Are you folks making a lot of home loans right now? Um, you know, we're we're not. We're um, you know, when everything changed in the uh macroeconomic environment, it really hit our mortgage lending business hard. We are a licensed mortgage lender in Arizona and New Mexico and we primarily work on the reservation uh doing construction loans for new homes on the reservation, but as you can imagine, uh, the, the cost has just skyrocketed. I mean, it was difficult to get folks qualified, um, you know, income qualified and credit qualified, um, you know, for a $150,000, $200,000 home. And now we're talking about, you know, 350000 and up for a, a really modest home. So what we've done instead is uh, shifted over to rehab loans for roof repairs and additions and things of that nature. But we are still able to make some mortgages. Uh, we closed one last week, and we'll be closing another one uh, next week. Uh, but they've been on pipeline for a long time, so they were able to lock in those rates. And we've also got to give credit where credit's due uh, to some of our tribal housing developers like San Felipe, uh, which have an interesting model that allows them to keep the cost of construction uh, very competitive. And also got to give credit to our partners who provide down payment assistance. So there is a way to make it happen. We just got to work a little harder. Dave, you mentioned just the increase in home prices over the last 10 years in, in many communities, they've more than doubled. And, and are you seeing those same increases even for folks that live in tribal communities on trust land, on reservations, or, or is it just a lot more expensive now to buy a home than it was a few years ago? Yeah, I mean, it is. And I think maybe that's a, a point to, to really consider is when you're building on the reservation, you're able to get some subsidies, whether it's in the form of IHS paying for, you know, some of the water and infrastructure, whether it's the tribe helping with down payment assistance. Um, so it is kind of a more affordable place to live if you are gonna buy a home. The problem of course is that uh, there aren't a lot of tribes who are engaged in uh, development of home ownership units. Most tribes are focused on low rent uh, housing for the majority of the population. And I think that's, that's appropriate because of what the population needs, but there is a segment of the population that uh, is better suited for home ownership. There just isn't a lot of inventory. So therein lies the challenge. Dave, in addition to the higher home prices, how significant are the higher interest rates we're seeing now with regard to affordability? Yeah, it's significant. I mean, we were locking people in at, you know, three and a quarter and it's effectively doubled. So, um, yeah, you, you aren't able to buy as much home. It, it means that you've got, uh, a bigger payment uh, that's going towards interest unless it's going to, you know, the principal that would, that would build a home. So yeah, between the interest rates, between the cost of construction, I mean, I remember when we did, helped that project in San uh, Ildefonso, we were at $110 a square foot and it's, it's double that now. And the supply chain issues are just a killer. I mean, in terms of trying to get, you know, windows or, you know, things through the supply chain, it was worse during COVID, but you know, it's still not great. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of problems, but, you know, that's what we are set up to do and deal with. And, um, you know, again, got to stay optimistic because uh, there's a lot of need out there. And, Dave, for Native folks that don't live in tribal communities, uh, urban Native people, off-reservation Native people, what are the challenges that they're going through with regard to affordability and, and mortgage loan options? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it, it depends on where you're at, right? We were just talking with a gal who needs a home in, in the Flagstaff area, you know, outside, the, you know, near the Navajo Reservation. And, you know, it, that's an expensive market, and the inventory is low, um, and interest rates are what they are. So uh, there are a lot of challenges there, but I think um, the, the goal there is, and I think something that a lot of people overlook is, you know, the first-time homeowner programs that are available through different municipalities, whether it be a city, a town, or a county, you know. And then also, you know, the thing that we don't have on the reservation in, in, in urban areas are a lot of nonprofit organizations that um, have resources and are able to help. I mean, there's the Naval Works affiliate system that's out there. There's other nonprofits, uh, one in New Mexico called uh, 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 Main Street South, I think it's called, and they help uh, – with homeowner preservation. So if someone's having trouble staying in their home, uh, they provide legal services. So there are a lot of resources I think natives um, maybe not be tap might not be tapping into that they could. Um, and um, and I, I think maybe we need to shine a light on, on those opportunities. So they're out there. You got to look. You got to get involved um, and uh, encourage everyone to do that. I'm thinking of somebody who's listening to the show right now and hearing about interest rates doubling, home prices doubling, and uh, maybe they're frightened. Maybe they're thinking, geez, I'll never be able to afford a home. It's it's out of reach for me, the dream, the American dream of home ownership. What what do you tell people like that, Dave, when you, when you hear comments like that? Well, you know, I mean, like anything, right, the early bird gets the worm type thing. It, it helps to be prepared. And I tell the folks this all the time, like, you know, um, just kind of um, – See, what's the best example? Oh, I'll use a silly one, right? Let's say, uh, you know, you and your girlfriends are going out to uh, on the town, right? And you wouldn't just walk out the door and say, yeah, I, probably, I probably look fine. You know, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> you'd, you'd look in the mirror, get yourself dolled up, and make sure that you could present yourself in a way that, that, that's appropriate for wherever you're going. Well, same thing with home ownership or anything to do with finances. You wouldn't just say, I'm not going to look my credit report. It's probably fine when you know it's not, right? So, if you haven't been working on that, if you haven't been saving, or healthcare is probably a better example. We all know diabetes ravages our communities, and a lot of people will just say, ah, "That's fine, you know, give me another fried rice, right?" But <laughs> but the reality is, we have so many great resources in native health clinics, and you know, on and off the reservation, there are tons of research, it, you know, and it, it it doesn't hurt to look. It can only help you to work on the issues that you need to, whether it's your health, whether it's you know, how you look before you go out, or whether you're buying a home. You've got to do the work. And I also tell people, you know, choose your heart. It's hard to be renting. It's hard to be moving from place to place. It's also hard to maintain a budget. So choose your heart. Which one do you want to do? Do you want to struggle with, you know, having a good place for, to raise your family? Or do you want to struggle with the kinds of things that are going to help you in the long term, which is, you know, building a budget, sticking to it, saving and working towards a goal like homeownership. I'm loving these analogies you're using, Dave, getting dolled up to go out, pass me another piece of fried bread, and how you equate that into being a home buyer, a home purchaser. So tell us more about some of these alternatives right now to home mortgages. I understand uh, at Laguna Pueblo, they're working on some unique initiatives. Yeah, well, at Laguna, it's fantastic. Again, hats off, give credit where credit's due. I know uh, tribal council members get beat up all the time, but you got to give them credit. They at Laguna were one of the first ones out of the gate uh, to support home ownership in their community uh, through a partnership with us. So we contract with tribes. We just uh, were entering into contract with Navajo Nation for something similar, 
and uh, you know they recognize, hey, we're, we're a tribal council, we're tribal leaders, and, uh, and 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 we're not we're not mortgage lenders. So let's contract with someone who does do that. So uh, they came out of the gate really early. I mean, this was back in 2015, 14, but you know before anyone else was doing it. And then today. Uh, what they have is they're using uh, uh, stimulus funds, federal stimulus funds, to provide tribal members with uh, home rehab uh, grants up to $50,000. Now, a lot of these homes, especially the Adobe homes and others, need repairs that exceed that amount, and that's where we're able to step in and offer uh, a loan uh, to help cover those rehab costs. And that's just that's just at Laguna. San Felipe has a fantastic program, if you've ever heard of what's going on up there. Uh, I think okay, Alinga as well, Jemez Pueblo, uh, and uh, and I'm trying to think. There's one more that's oh, and San Aldefonso has a new project that's going on. So there are good things happening in tribal communities. Uh, if you're from one of those communities, get involved, ask some questions, uh, and a lot to benefit from right now, particularly because of the stimulus funds that are available. We've got Dave Castillo on the line right now. Dave, uh, hand me another piece of fry bread. Castillo talking about some of the challenges that are occurring right now with regard to mortgage loans for Native people, both living on reservations, living off reservations, higher interest rates, higher home prices, uh, lack of inventory of homes. But uh, we've got solutions on the show today. If you are a potential home buyer or thinking about maybe applying for a mortgage or interested in maybe doing a rehab on your house, give us a call, ask a question. We've got folks on the show today who can give you answers. 1-800-996-2848. Tribal officials in California, Washington, and several other places are meeting with state officials trying to find solutions to a growing fentanyl abuse problem. We'll find out what's behind the increase in deaths from the powerful drug and what tribes and others are doing to head it off. That's on the next Native America Calling. You are listening to Native America Calling. Home loans come in all shapes and sizes, from a six-figure mortgage for a new house to smaller loans to replace a roof or renovate a bathroom. If you're a homeowner or an aspiring homeowner, what types of loans or programs are available in your community to support homeownership? Give us a call. Join our conversation. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Let's bring Rudy Soto into the conversation now. He is the USDA Rural Development Idaho State Director. And Rudy, obviously, tribes banks, other lenders have a role to play in providing financing and mortgages for Native people. But of course, federal and state agencies as well can can play a role here. And that's where you come in. That's why I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Tell us uh, what's going on right now at USDA to, to increase home ownership opportunities for Native folks. 
Great. Thank you so much, Sean. It's great to join you. Uh, I'm very excited to be sharing uh, an update uh, from our end that uh, today our Undersecretary Social Torres Small announced that we're making $7.5 million in loan funding available under the Native American Community Development Financial Institutions Relending Demonstration Program. Uh, this is huge uh, because it it's all about increasing home ownership opportunities for Indian country, Native American tribes, Alaska Native communities, and Native Hawaiian communities in rural areas. And so this program provides up to $800,000 to Native CDFIs, uh, which are financial institutions. Uh, like in Idaho, we have Nimipu Community Fund, uh, which is an, an amazing partner. Sometimes people can be very intimidated by going to a bank or a credit union if they don't feel like they're all, you know, dolled up, so to speak, like Dave was saying. <laughs> uh, so if they want to talk to someone, you know, they're comfortable with, a fellow tribal member, those native CDFIs are a great place to start and to help them if they're not ready or they are ready, you know, come, you know, prepared. And so uh, th this this demonstration program is going to make it so that they can uh, they can relend the money and be uh, the, the, the middleman, so to speak, to provide low and very low income tribal members residing in Indian country with these loans so that they can access affordable, modest homes. Now, nothing too this, fancy. Okay. And this $800,000 for these CDFIs, will these be specifically for, for new homes or new construction, or will they potentially be rehab loans? Is there flexibility with that money? There is, there is. So yes, uh, it can help with uh, buying uh, a new home, uh, building a home, rehabbing a home, improving, or or even relocating uh, a pr primary residence on on eligible land. So yes, lots of lots of options, and uh, it's up to a 33 year loan at one percent interest rate. I heard you talking about interest rates. And so we're able to subsidize that, bring it down. And there can be a three-year payment deferral at the, at the loan's onset so that it can give them time to be prepared to make those, you know, more, you know, substantial, those, those monthly mortgage payments. So this is really to help, pe you know, Native people uh, to really boost home ownership opportunities throughout Indian country. A 1% interest rate in today's climate where, where rates are, are regularly at about 6% for home mortgages, that's, that almost sounds too good to be true, Rudy. So tell us more about who is eligible for these types of uh, assistance, and also when will this program officially roll out? When will these loans be available? Yes. Uh, so the eligibility for this is the same as our programs such as the, it's called the 502 single family uh, direct home loan program or the, what we call the 504 uh, home repair program. And so there's income thresholds. Folks can go to www.rd.usda.gov and search for, uh, you know, they can plug in their address and see if they're in an eligible area. There's even a tool where they can kind of just plug in some quick information and see if they might qualify. And even if they don't qualify for uh, these, um, 
these low-income, uh, very low-income loans. We have a single-family guaranteed program, and for, for each of these programs, there's no down payment required, so that's also a huge help. Um, as we all know, it, it's really hard when you're trying to make it month to month to you know, come up with a, a bunch of savings for a down payment. It makes it seem un, unrealistic, so this is really uh, – it's is long overdue for folks in any country to know about this kind of assistance. Um, and so your other question on when are these funds going to be available, applications to these native CDFIs, uh, for these native CDFIs to get that $800,000, they have to come up with $200,000 of their own. Uh, and those applications are due July 17th, and all the funds have to be awarded are obligated the loans to the native CDFIs by September 15th. So we're working hard to get these resources out there now because the needs are so great. Rudy, native CDFIs, this industry has just exploded within the last 10 years or so. Three of our guests today represent native-led CDFIs. And uh, about how many native CDFIs are there now across the country? And how can somebody find out whether or not there's a CDFI, a native CDFI that could potentially serve their needs? Uh, there's a native CDFI network. Uh, they can Google and find out. Some of the uh, my uh, friends, your fellow guests, are going to uh, be able to speak uh, better than I can to the exact number of um, the CDFIs, uh, but they, are, they have to be qualified through uh, the Department of Treasury and um, and there's a there's there's ways they can find it. I just can't tell you the exact website uh, right now. Uh, but yeah, this this has been immensely uh, helpful. And there's been a pilot program to help get these home loans out in South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, in in the past few years. And and uh, they're they're making home loans. And and now this is finally about to uh, start happening in in more states uh, throughout Indian country. Rudy, thank you again for joining us and sharing all of this uh, brand new information. Really appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, updating all of our listeners with regard to this new program that's going to be available through uh, USDA. And let's go ahead and talk to another one of our native-led CDFI representatives. Of course, we have Janelle Yurout. She's the executive director of Nimipu Community Development Fund. And uh, Janelle, again, welcome to the show. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know about how many native CDFIs there are right now in the U.S.? Yeah, there are uh, 64 certified native CDFIs. All righty. That's quick on the draw, Janelle. I got to hand it to you there. Thank you uh, so I'm, much. I'm from the hip. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, tell us, Janelle, I mean, we're, we're, we're listening to Dave Castillo down in New Mexico and Arizona, and we're hearing about what USDA is doing. And tell us more about some of the challenges right now facing prospective homebuyers within the Nez Perce tribe. Yeah, yeah. So um, Dave touched on um, some things as far as just like, you know, that the cost of homeownership, the, the lack of stock and inventory, and the, uh, the the aging um, homes, um, so that's that's what we've noticed with our native CDFI um, and even the establish, establishment of our native CDFI uh, from 2011. You know, doing various market research and studies, 
looking at our, our target market and just the need for finance entities to serve the reservations and tribal communities, um, improving credit, credit scores, financing. But with each of our studies, um, one was to establish our CDFI. Uh, there was uh, nearly 70% interest in home lending back then. Um, and there were, you know, obstacles identified to home ownership and that, you know, was related to bad credit or down payment assistance, um, understanding the financing process, and then lenders who, um, who will serve the reservation or tribal lands. Uh, the other piece, of course, is, is home repair. Uh, we, we did another market study, gosh, I want to say it was right after the pandemic, so 2021. And, and we, we, we took a little bit deeper dive with some of our, our analysis and, and talking to people, uh, doing our, our, our interviews with key leaders, um, and, and really uh, trying to get a, a number, right, and, and just based on the assessment. I mean, there was over $6 million of, of unmet need for, for housing, um, and then nearly $1.5 million for home rehab. And, and that was just based on, on respondents, right? And so there's, there's probably a greater need that's out there. But um, uh, just given with the, with the limited stock um, and how we're developing as a native CDFI, so we're, we're not in, in the trenches of, of doing, you know, conventional home loans or things like that. But what we're doing uh, because of the, the cost and in, in the industry right now is we're launching a home rehab loan product. So it's really exciting to hear um, uh, Rudy's announcement because, you know, that's something that we can look at. But as native CDFIs um, and your question related to the number of native CDFIs, it's actually down. Uh, so I, I want to say there, there were uh, 72 native CDFIs, and so some are dropping off. Um, native CDFI Network just submitted comments related to CDFI certification and recertification and what the U.S. Treasury is looking at. Um, and, and there is a comment in there about, um, about uh, like, interest-only payments or, or long, longer-term loans. I believe it's a 30-year loan. So those are things as far as just, like, that may bump up against, say, like another federal program with USDA is, um, is, is what the Treasury is considering and what could bump out native CDFIs from U.S., you know, from their um, CDFI certification. You know, that's concerning that uh, there's fewer CDFIs now, native-led CDFIs, than a few years ago. What are they attributing that drop to? Is it just the tough economy we're going through right now? You know, I, I would say there's a variety of reasons. Um, you know, it, it, is, it is tough to, to really launch and, and get a CDFI going. Um, I've, I've been at it for uh, just over six years now and, and you know, growing. Um, but, you know, there's, there's the, the certification test and meeting that test through U.S. Treasury, uh, there's, you know, certain reporting and, um, and even just, you know, keep, keeping things afloat. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a variety of reasons why, why they drop off, um, but I think with the new, um, the new approach with, with the U.S. Treasury on looking at certification, recertification, that, that could really um, impact. And so we're, we're going to look at how certification, if that's, you know, going to be a guide marker for native CDFIs if that's going to be worth, worth, you know, obtaining or holding on to. Anyone listening today that has a question uh, for any of our guests or would like to learn a little bit more about 
mortgage lending or programs available to assist home buyers, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. And to learn more about Native CDFIs or perhaps to locate a Native, native CDFI that serves you, there's a website. It is nativecdfi.net. So go ahead and check that out online if you have time. And Janelle, um, currently Nimipu Fund is also working to establish a UCC code. Tell us more about that. How will that benefit home buyers within your community? Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. So, um, you know, talking about about ecosystems and and policy work. Uh, so, you know, we just talking about certification. So, um, you know, the, the policy work and and um, sharing things, you know, with with our membership with Native CDFI Network or looking at the 502 Relending Program or developing coalitions. Um, the, the ecosystems that we operate in, um, so, you know, what we level set and, and doing things as a coalition is um, looking at, at code development. Um, so in, in promoting economic development, um, we're also championing this effort in developing a UCC with an Esperance tribe, which is a long overdue process to reduce barriers um, to doing business uh, in any country. Uh, this includes as far as like the lack of access to capital or uncertainty on investing on tribal lands. Um, the commercial codes, they, they govern many aspects of business transactions um, and, uh, you know, our tribe, along with any other tribe, has a right to establish laws to govern commerce and business within their jurisdictions. Uh, so we're, we're working uh, with, with the tribe. We, we have a draft code. Um, and we're hoping to finalize this code by, by this year. And, and, and that includes a partnership uh, potentially with the state of Idaho. So it sounds like the goal here is to give banks and other lenders uh, some guidelines and some policies so they're better able to, to work with tribes and native home buyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it gives them as far as just like they, they know the rules of the game, right? They, they have an avenue. And, and really what I've heard from from other lenders is just like, it's, it's such a mystery to lend um, on tribal lands. So this provides, um, you know, a method as far as just like, okay, what's, what's their, 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 their recourse, like if a loan does go bad. So the, the commercial code, um, it, you know, generally is to develop uh, the economic development. And, and that's what we found with our, with our organization as far as just like, even with, with the building capacity of entrepreneurs, and doing business loans is the collateral aspect and having assets. And what greater asset is than, than you know, having a home? So um, it's, it's a long overdue, um, you know, code that's needed for our tribal community. And, and we're hoping to get that developed to where we're able to provide a greater ecosystem for our communities. This all makes a lot of sense because I'm thinking – if a homeowner struggles, if uh, they don't live on a reservation, if they're on what we call fee simple land, uh, a bank can come in, they can foreclose. But if something like that occurs on trust land, on a reservation, uh, that's a very different issue. It's not quite so easy for a bank just to come in like that. So uh, it makes a lot of sense here. Janelle, I know earlier this year, Nimi Pufun hosted an economic development conference. In fact, I actually was able to attend that. And how closely aligned are economic development and affordable housing issues like we're talking about today? Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you for coming to our nation building conference. Uh, that, was, that was a whole whirlwind of, of a week, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, it really started the conversation. Um, I, I think there was, there was some things leading up to it. Um, 
and 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 Rudy Soto can talk more uh, about you know with with his program and his resources. But it, you know, it's looking at, um, at at economic development, and then other coalitions and what what other organizations are doing. And so, uh, the South Dakota Home Ownership Coalition. Uh, there's Tanya Plummer with Enterprise Community Financial, um, and she was instrumental with the Montana Native Home Ownership um, opportunities, uh, along with NeighborWorks. And so, what we're what we have developed and, and, and was we had an excellent conversation there at Nation Building was the Idaho Native Housing Initiative, which is a new initiative that we're starting in Idaho. And we're working to develop um, a Native American Housing and Home Ownership Summit. Uh, and Rudy's part of that, along with some other federal and state partners. Janelle, we're going to have to take another break here really quickly. Is there a website for this coalition? Uh, not yet, but we're posting things on our Native City Fi website. Okay, we're going to take a break now. We'll be right back. Challenges to societal harmony abound. Trauma, depression, addiction. In Native communities, these challenges affect nearly everyone. The Native American Social Work Studies Institute educates social workers for careers to address the needs of Native communities. You can be part of the solution as a peer support worker, community health worker, or a counselor with culturally relevant training from the Native American Social Work Studies Institute. Info at online.nmhu.edu. New Mexico Highlands University supports this show. Tuned to Native America Calling. For most people, a home mortgage is the largest financial commitment they'll ever make. Lending money for home purchases and rehabs is also a big step for the Native-led financial institutions we're talking to today. If you've ever borrowed money to buy a home, add a bedroom to an existing home, or remodel a kitchen, we'd sure like to hear about that experience. So give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. If you're a homeowner now, we'd like to hear what you like best about being a homeowner. If you're somebody who rents and you're not quite sure about being a homeowner, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are, what your insights are as well. So come on, give us a call. Let's get some calls going here. Phone lines are open, 1-800-996-2848. And with that, I'd like to introduce again our next guest on the show, Pamela Ranslam, who is the Home Ownership Services Manager uh, serving the Umatilla Tribe in Oregon. And Pamela, again, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about your organization because you primarily serve members of the Umatilla Confederated Tribes, and the Umatilla Indian Reservation has both fee and trust land, so it's checkerboard. What issues does that create when families need a mortgage to purchase or build a home? Um, well, Sean, first of all, thank you for inviting me, and it's um, been informative listening to our other guests. But, yeah, it can be a challenge um, in many different ways. Um, sometimes it can be easier for a tribal member if they have access to fee land. So fee land or lands that don't have any restrictions of ownership, and so anyone can um, build a home or purchase those lands. So that can be a challenge on the reservation in the fact that sometimes those prices for fee-simple lands um, are more expensive, and it's pricing some of our tribal members out of the market. And so then we have um, non-natives coming into the reservation, which we already have non-natives living on the reservation, but then they are consuming the, those properties and, uh, and not allowing tribal members to then own those properties just because of the price. Um, and then, of course, then you look at lands that are held in trust and going through the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and um, there's some great loan programs available for tribal members um, 
to be able to ac access lending on trust property, but you also have to go through and make sure that those lands meet the requirements that lenders um, have for being able to lend on them. So um, if you've got some undivided interest within um, trust properties, then you have to go through that process. And that can be very cumbersome and in some cases non-existent in terms of being able to do that. So we, we do have those challenges of looking at whether there's trust land or a lot of trust land available. Um, and the tribe currently has just released some um, 42 lots um, of a new neighborhood that will provide tribal members a 99-year lease so that they can actually have um, a site-built ready lot um, that they can access and then get a construction loan for. A 99-year lease. Yeah, because obviously you can't have a house without land to put it on, right? So how big a win is that for the community, this new lease? Um, it's been great. We, and it's going to be giving tribal members the ability because most tribal members who have become homeowners um, in the past, they've had to become homeowners off the reservation. So this can be a new way of providing um, those individuals the ability to move back on the reservation. Um, and it also gives tribal members who want to become homeowners and live on the reservation access to land to be able to do that. And in many cases, not all tribal members have access to land. And the the lots that are there and available are, are substantially um, less expensive than if you were buying, um, you know, land on a fee simple land or land off reservation or a lot off reservation. Um, and so it's, it's a win-win in terms of affordability for tribal members to have access to land, and then it's also bringing tribal members um, back into the community. Now, I imagine there's a lease fee in, involved with this, and will your organization or any other uh, group there at Umatilla be able to assist tribal members with some of those costs? Um, yeah, so the tribe actually is overseeing the 99-year the lease, and they handle um, that aspect of it. But there is a consideration fee, so the tribe is charging an up, upfront consideration fee for tribal members to get the lots. Um, the pricing ranges um, depending on the lot size. So it starts around 10,000, goes up to about 16,000. Um, and these lots are site-built ready. So they have water, sewer, electricity, natural gas, and cable to site. Um, it's a neighborhood structure. We're having um, a ribbon cutting on June 1st um, for that site. And then for those tribal members who, because that, that can be a substantial amount of money um, to provide, um, NCFS, Nagawe Community Financial Services, um, I developed a land lease loan. And so tribal members can actually come in um, and apply for the funding. We provide 90%, um, so they have to come in with 10%. And the loan program is set up very similar to guidelines that would um, oversee like a, a Section 184 um, so most tribal members will access that loan program to, to construct a home. And so we're giving them about three years um, to be able to make sure that they can be ready to at least go and start applying for mortgages. So they don't have to be perfectly ready to get a mortgage today in order to get the loan. Um, we're just going to be setting them up for success so we make sure that they can qualify and work with them through counseling so that they're ready to um, look at getting that loan in, in at least three years, maybe between three and five years. And Pam, I got to ask, uh, play devil's advocate here, but what happens when the lease expires in 99 years? I'm just curious. Well, that's a really good question, and, and we have brought that up. Um, for the most part, that what we're, we're looking at is the reality is that then the lease would then be re, um, 
then they re-sign a new lease um, for 99 years. And um, and so that's what that's what our integrity is looking at doing for the future. Um, Since most of us will not be here in 99 years, um, that is our plan is that um, in 99 years, those individuals who still have that lease would then be able to have a new 99 year lease. Pam, I know that uh, you folks recently got a grant from the state of Oregon uh, for some down payment assistance, and I want to ask you about that. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a call. We have Marge, who is listening in Warm Springs, Oregon, on station KWSO. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. Um, I own a home, and um, it's like the second home I've owned on the reservation, and I've rented, too. And so... um, I have never owned a home off the reservation, so I don't know what it's like to um, live off the reservation. But what I did do when I was when I was buying a home here on the reservation, I looked at the history of our tribe and their economic um, uh, strength during the time of the construction of the home, and that really helped me pick which home I wanted. Um, it was. It wasn't available like as you would go off the reservation, like home for sale. It was like a family connection is how I got my home. It wasn't like, here's a house for sale and come and get it or apply for it. It was like the family who wanted to sell it to another family member. And that's, and then I looked at the history of the house. And so I'm in a, a really nice place now. It sounds like it, Marge, and really appreciate you sharing that story. And you mentioned earlier that you were also a renter at one point. And I just want to ask, would you ever go back to being a renter now that you're a homeowner? Oh, never. I was a renter for too long. I've seen my money go one way, you know. And so the money that I have goes back into my life. So that's how I look at it. Marge, thank you so much for calling today. Really appreciate your comments. And I would just like to pivot quickly back to Dave Castillo before we go back to Pam. And Dave, I want to ask you, I mean, here, listening to Marge explain how she got her house, and uh, you know, that's a very different type of housing market than what we think of you know, when we look at like realty websites and things like that. Is that common in Native communities for folks to acquire homes in the way that Marge did? Yeah, you know, we don't have kind of a robust uh, mortgage market on tribal trust land. You know, people aren't buying and selling their homes constantly or, or flipping them and moving to Florida, right? Um, and and that's, I think, what folks in the banking community kind of expect as normal. So in tribal communities, um, yeah, it, it, there is that question is where is the inventory? Where are the opportunities? It's beginning to happen. Uh, I think there was a little bit of talk of um, – you know, for example, the Hearth Act, which allows tribes to take more control of the leasing process of tribal lands for residential and commercial uh, purposes. And that's part of the uh, the process. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with where is the tribe at in terms of their uh, codes and ordinances to allow for this? Does the tribe have a mortgage ordinance? Um, you know, where is that in their priority uh, list of priorities? And I always say, you know, never forget that you know, tribal leaders are usually dealing with, like, Indian Child Welfare Act issues in the morning. They're dealing with water rights in the afternoon. Maybe they're dealing with a gaming issue in the evening. And if they got time, they'll get to our housing stuff. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think it, it's really important for tribal members to be advocates and, uh, and bring their expertise to bear. I mean, we've got tribal members who work in the mortgage industry and the real estate industry, um, you know, and are in charge of things like land use planning commissions. 
you know, that's where these decisions get made. So I think it's important for tribal members to be tribal citizens and take an active role in that work. And, you know, we can we can all lob, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, insults at tribal leaders, but, but you know, <laughs> get up there and, and take an active role and, you know, take some of those shots because we got to get through this process. We got to got to do what's right for our communities, uh, which means opportunities for folks, uh, you know, who need homes. That's a really good point, Dave. And uh, tribal leaders certainly do have a lot on their plates, for sure. Uh, back to Pam now. And Pam, please, I uh, mentioned earlier this uh, grant from the state of Oregon for down payment assistance. Who's eligible for that program that you folks are going to be facilitating? Um, yeah, so we received um, $300,000 um, through the state of Oregon through the Housing and Community Service um, finance agency. Um, this is the first time that we've um, received those funds. Um, it's actually probably the first time we've also applied for them. But um, they've made some good um, considerations in the fact that um, we've also been approved to provide homeownership counseling and um, education component rather than having our tribal members have to go to um, a state um, approved agency. We've, we've received that approval as part of the grant, which we appreciate. So this will be um, open to the reservation community. Um, I'm going to be honest, right at this point, we have not yet um, put together all of the um, policies. The, the grant does have some income requirements, um, and so that's what we're going to be looking at to help um, some of those individuals. We have to look at um, the um, AMI, the um, average medium income for families based on income, um, household size, and those will be individuals that will be able to qualify for that. The really nice thing is um, we were given two pots of money under the $300,000. One is a, um, a grant, no restrictions. The other one um, does have some restrictions um, requiring individuals to maintain those homes for five years. So um, we will be able to give larger amounts of money because they um, are geared towards first-time homeowners, but they're also geared towards first-generational. And 30% of all of our awardees have to be first-generational, um, which I feel in um, – I talked to a couple other organizations that received the funds, and they're a little concerned about meeting that 30% benchmark, and I'm thinking – um, I'm not going to have any problem meeting that benchmark because m many of the tribal members that I've worked with in the past, they have been first-generational homeowners. And so that will not be an issue for us, but we will also then be able to give them more money um, because there's a different threshold for um, first-time homeowner versus first-generational. So we're excited about that. And Pamela, along those lines with regard to first-generational homebuyers, I mean, you mentioned earlier home buyer education as, as part of these programs. So what does that look like? I mean, what exactly uh, do folks learn in some of these home buyer education programs where they get ready to become mortgage ready and homeowners? Um, through my program, we do actually, we have two education programs. The first one focuses on financial education. So it's really getting them um, that framework, um, that foundation of making sure that financially they can be successful because as we all know, dealing with credit and credit reports and making sure that you're handling your money um, well um, can help in all avenues of life. It's not just becoming a homeowner. And so that's where we start with that foundation. And then on the home buyer section, I, we actually talk about, you know, is it important? Like Marge just talked about how she would never go back to being a renter. And it really is understanding some of those 
nuances of what's going to be required of you as a homeowner and really understanding that, you know, you've got to, You've got to have to take care of this home, and it's dealing with maintenance, and it's dealing with repairs, regardless of whether it's a new home um, or an existing home that you're purchasing. But we talk about that. We, we work through the process of what it's going to take to actually go through the mortgage process. Um, I bring in a lender who talks about what they review in a loan application. We work with um, the tribal planning department, and they come in and talk about what it takes um, to go through the process of de- you know, developing a home and, and getting a building permit and Indian Health Services and applying for those IHS assistance. So we go through the whole aspect. So it's providing them a little more comfort of the steps of what it's going to take to go from applying for a mortgage to actually closing on the loan. And so they, they, they're more comfortable with that. And that's also one of my, my jobs is to work with them through that process to sort of be their advocate, but to be their support and be somebody that they can turn to to say, I'm just really frustrated or I don't understand and my lender's not providing me with information or my realtor's not, you know, giving me what I need and coming to me and saying, you know, tell me, tell me what it is and give it to me straight. And that's really what my job is. We are going to have to wrap up here in about another minute, Pam, but I want to give you the last word. And when you are working with, with home buyers, uh, what are some of the challenges that, that do prevent people from getting home loans? Is it perhaps bad credit or, or not the right amount of income? What do you see mostly? I think here what, what I deal with mainly is really the housing stock. Um, I've got so many individuals that I've been working with who've been wanting to get homes, and we just don't have the affordability. It's, you know, Dave and Janelle also talked about it. It's we don't have homes that people can really afford to get into. They have decent incomes. They've got their credit ready, and they want to become a homeowner, and we just don't have the housing stock for them to be able to purchase. Well, we are going to have to wrap up our show now. I want to thank all four of our guests today. Wonderful discussion. Dave Castillo, Janelle Urout, Pamela Ranslam, and Rudy Soto. Join us on Native America Calling again tomorrow when we discuss the growing fentanyl crisis and what tribes are doing to fight the devastating effects of opiate addiction. Hope you'll join us. Smoking gave me COPD, which makes it harder and harder for me to breathe. I have a tip for you. If your doctor gives you five years to live, spend it talking with your grandchildren. Explain to them that your grandpa's not going to be around anymore to share his wisdom and his love. I haven't figured out how to do that yet, and I'm running out of time. COPD makes it harder and harder to breathe and can cause death. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Support by Amerind, Indian Country's 100% tribally owned insurance partner. Amerind works with tribal governments and their business enterprises to provide effective commercial insurance coverage, strengthen Native American communities, protect tribal sovereignty, and help keep dollars in Indian Country. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto solutions at Amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One. 
the Native American Radio Network.